Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, hello everybody. Welcome to the SAP. As always, it's your guy, Dave Neal, here for a solo episode of the podcast. We're cooking, we're ready to go. I have been doing nothing but making content this quarantine. Oh my gosh, when does it end? When does it officially end? Everyone's like deciding, do we go back to work? Do we work from home? If we've learned anything, it is that our time is worth more to us when we're not giving it away to others. I feel like a lot of people that have been working for home realize they can do their job in a quarter of the time. They're like, why am I just killing time? You ever, you ever have a job where you just start walking around different floors? You're like, let's go down to the 19th floor and see what they're up to. You just do a couple laps to look busy. That's what I was thinking earlier this morning when I was getting ready for uh, Tasha was heading up to work and I was making her a sandwich and then she walked into the kitchen and I started like wiping the countertop down and I was like, am I, am I just pretending to be busy right now? Is that, is that what my life is? I think uh, most men can relate in a relationship. You're like, I don't want to look too comfortable because I know she's going to want me to do something. I feel like that's what we're doing. Speaking of doing things, oh my gosh, we, we finally got uh, a mattress. I'm not going to shit on this mattress Quality-wise, it's a great mattress. We got a Nectar mattress. It's one of those ones that shows up. This isn't a sponsorship. They did give us the mattress, uh, but uh, Tasha is making content for it in exchange for the mattress. But like I tell you, there's no such thing as a free lunch. So, well, yeah, it's like a $1,000 mattress set up. Uh, but it's like, you know, we got to make videos, and she's making a couple Instagram reels, and then I got to write the dialogue for her, and she's such a perfectionist, which God bless her. You know, I'm not, there's just two types of people and, you know, some people fit somewhere in, in between. There's the people that take seven years to get something done and it's perfect. And then there's me. I've made four videos today. Are they all perfect? They're C minus, but there's something, you know, and uh, some people want that uh, C minus uh, reliability and some people want perfection. And uh, I've always said, and you know, the quote, perfection is the enemy of good, but uh, it provides resistance. Like we're like, we're slowly like stalling getting this content made. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's, it's just like, uh, you know, you've seen on Instagram, like uh, people will get the mattress delivered and then they make a little time-lapse video of them setting it up. And it's like, okay, cool. Not bad. It's like, look, we're, th we're like a week into making this video. I should have just bought the thing. It would have been better to just buy it. Which is what I look forward to is having the, 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 the resources someday to not need to accept anything free. Because when someone gives you something for free, there's just always something attached to it. And uh, the one thing I've gotten this year with a ton of the new followers checking out the YouTube channel is I've gotten a lot of advice from people. Oh my gosh, people send me DMs giving me like grammar advice and advice on a bunch of other things. Is this like, is this what it's like being a lady where like people are constantly trying to mansplain you things? Cause I've been YouTube splained from people and it's so annoying. It's, there's so many condescending people. And again, I know I'm not talking to you guys, my loyal listeners here, but there's so many people that it's like, do you understand how you're coming off? You're offering a stranger. You have to be careful when you offer a stranger advice. You have to be like, do you want, if, if I, I could offer you, it's almost like with stand-up comedy. I do, you know, open mics and I'll see new comics and I'll be like, oh, I could give them some very good free advice that will help their set out but do they want it, you know? And sometimes I'll be like, listen, what you're doing is is not going to work out and here's the fix. But sometimes I'm like, ah, I don't know this person, so maybe someone else can tell them. I don't know. Maybe it sounds like I've got an ego not wanting to take advice, but, uh, you know, I don't know. People have good intentions, I guess, is what they 
what they want. They want good. They uh, they just want to help out, I guess. I got a new green screen for those people listening on the audio. This might not matter to you, but I got a new green screen in my home studio here. So the people watching on the Patreon, the Patreon's where you can watch this. Uh, watch this episode. It's um an unlisted YouTube video. Uh, this is what I this is what I figured I would start doing. You guys want to know the behind the scenes? That YouTube is so specific with its algorithm that I I used I used to be have different playlists. I still do on my channel where like you can watch my vlogs, you can watch the podcast, you can watch the bachelor content. But everyone who joined my YouTube that just wants bachelor content, they work against it whenever I post non-bachelor content because while I got 30,000 subscribers, right? So Say 25,000 of those are just there for Bachelor. And 5,000 are super loyal. They'll watch anything I put out. If I put out non-Bachelor stuff, that's only 5 out of 30. One-sixth of my audience only cares about that. So to YouTube, YouTube goes, oh, nobody wants to watch this, even though it has a diehard and small loyal following, so it never gets promoted. I don't know if that makes sense uh, to you guys. So what I decided to do was, you know, the YouTube videos and this, this probably will change, but the YouTube podcast videos I've just made private. So they're only available to the Patreon members that want to donate and, and, and they can, you know, uh, you know, I can, I, I appreciate all of their support. Let me show you guys. Uh, I will, I will shout them out while I'm here. Here is a shout out to all of the new Patreon members. Thank you guys so much for your support. You literally are helping us pay the bills with the home studio and keeping an indie podcast running. Susan Motley, Rachel Shapiro, Alexis Stallings, Judy Broadston, Michaela uh, Coyle, Aaron Casey, April Giese, Megan East, Laura Corbett, Corbett, Corbet, Carla Johnson, Sol Luis Chapiak, Karen Sabin, Sharon Devoto, Janine Roberts. You guys, thank you so much. Those are all of the new Patreon members. I've started promoting the Patreon a little bit on the um, on the podcast. I'm sorry, on the YouTube channel, and it has been shocking just by word of mouth how many people have moved over and started to offer their donations. So I do, I truly appreciate you guys so so much. It's been it's been quite wild. Um, you know, for those that you know, I, I got to walk the balance between doing a podcast which is about dating, relationships, comedy, and also discussing bachelor content, which is the money maker. You know, and not everyone who listens to the podcast cares about bachelor and vice versa. But I think there is a large middle ground in the Venn diagram to to have the conversation on different platforms. And what's so interesting is because of the growth of the channel this year. I'm getting so many Bachelor contestants reaching out. But what's funnier than that is I'm getting Bachelor contestants' parents reaching out. Um, and it's so funny. And I guess I, I, will, I will share this the names here because I'm not saying anything super personal. But I didn't realize Blake from The Bachelor... He was on The Bachelorette in the fall on Claire and Tasha's season, got voted off. Now he's going to make a surprise entrance on the Katie Thurston season. He's from Canada. He's kind of like a Bigfoot-looking kind of tall, burly guy. He uh, not, he actually works in, I think, like um, Animal Conservancy somehow. He's got a pet owl. The dude is Canada. Found, found out yesterday his mom, Emily, watches 
my YouTube channel, which is so funny. So shout out to Emily for checking out my YouTube channel. Not only does she watch it, she's watching the vlogs and all the non-Bachelor content. So it's so funny to think that. And, and I get it. These are just contestants. They're normal people. And if you're a mom and you hear and your son's on a Bachelor show, of course you're going to want to go on YouTube and hear what people are saying. What are they saying about my Timmy? You know what I mean? And for, for the most part, my channel is all about the love. Like I'm not trying to really... Uh, you know, hate on these people. Yeah, I'll make fun of their haircuts here and there and a couple other things. But, um, you know, I think they can handle that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, very interesting to find out that she was watching my channel. So I'll have to see if I can get some spoilers out of her, which, of course, I won't be able to. Because uh, it is rumored her son might be one of the finalists. But no one knows. No one knows for sure. It's, it's tight-lipped. No one knows for sure. And um, as we know, this upcoming season of The Bachelorette, uh, Chris Harrison, whether you watch the show or not, you got to know of Chris Harrison, this upcoming season of the bachelorette, he's not on it. He had a bad day. He had a bad interview with Rachel Lindsay and other problematic issues in the past. Nothing huge. No Michael Richards moments. If you remember him, you know, calling people the N word and doing this, nothing like that. Just a sense of dismissiveness and a sense of privilege over over Rachel Lindsay, who's was the first uh, black female contestant, uh, first black like star of the show, I should say, not contestant, but like star lead of the show. And he had an interview with her where he wasn't exactly giving her much grace and leeway to express her point of view in a racially charged subject. So as a white man, kind of you know, kind of interrupting, and it was one of those Zoom calls. It was a bad day, at the very least. He apologized. It wasn't enough. He apologized again, and there was pressure to get him fired, so he stepped aside. But he didn't step aside for the upcoming season. He just, like, stepped aside, like, oh, I'm going to take some time to reflect. And then Bachelor producers were like, no, we're going we're gonna to take the season off. So he's essentially been benched but not fired. He hires a big power attorney, Brian Friedman, Who's, um, who's represented other big people in the industry. Uh, he represented Gabrielle Union when she had a dispute against America's Got Talent. So he's not going to go down without swinging. And we'll have to see what The Bachelor producers do moving forward because they've already shot the season of The Bachelor. Up, upcoming's Bachelor in Paradise. I'm assuming he's not going to be hosting that. But then Michelle's season of The Bachelorette will be in the fall. Will he be there? Will he not? So much to, 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 to see how it all goes down. And, you know, cancel culture is such a charged topic where people wonder, you know, like, oh, it, it, like people that there's people that are anti cancel culture. And then there's people that are saying, well, cancel culture is a broad term, but it's really about accountability and the truth in both sides have a point. The idea of canceling. You know, we live in a free market where companies can decide if they don't want to hire somebody. The question becomes our companies, corporations, take um, LaCroix here. This is, I'm drinking a LaCroix, right? Now, if I'm a, if LaCroix pays me $10,000 to show this can, which they don't uh, pay me anything, but they should uh, hit me up. If they start paying me $10,000 to show this can, and then, and then there's maybe a hundred people from uh, online that decide they don't like me because I'm sort of like understanding that Chris Harrison's getting a raw deal, but also realized he did upset people. But I don't think the pe I think the pendulum swung past the actual crime, and it, he's better off on the show to, sh to share his platform. You know, I, I think that if they did fire him, they would um, people wouldn't learn. 
I think if Chris Harrison comes back, he can use his voice to kind of share that change that's going on, which is a more diverse show and more diverse storytelling behind the scenes. So if I, if, if LaCroix uh, wants to sponsor me and then a hundred people tweet to them saying, you support Dave Neal, he's X, Y, and Z. LaCroix can be like, F that. F that, I'll go find another guy. We'll get someone cleaner than that. Whereas those hundred people could have all been a little, um, you know, they could have been uh, misguided in in thinking I'm a bad person. Uh, but they have their ability to do that. So my point is, and that's just a stupid fictitious, fictitious example, is that companies bow down to a very, very small group of negative, of, of like people that... Um, you know, I mean, it's it's shocking. I would love to watch a documentary about this. I would love to see how easy it is to get somebody, like a fictitious person. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings here, but how easy it would be to get somebody canceled just on mere speculation. Um, I think it could be done very, very easily because we live in a world where like companies, they want to be so super safe. They don't want any controversy. And I understand that it's a free market. They're allowed in a free market. Like the equity there is that they're allowed to do what they want, but the audience will decide whether or not they want to pay for that product through either boycotting it or whatever. So companies have to make that smart decision. But then the choice becomes, if you're LaCroix, do you decide that you're going to lose? Okay, take Trader Joe's, for example. Now stay with me, folks. I didn't know I was going to talk about this, but we'll talk about it. Take Trader Joe's, for example. There was that petition last year that was to cancel Trader Joe's. Essentially, they wanted Trader Joe's to change all of their branding. They wanted them to get rid of Trader Jose's, which is their Mexican lager. They wanted to get them to get rid of Trader Giatta's, which is their Italian brand. Trader Ming's, which was their Chinese brand. They just wanted it to go. So Trader Joe's, somebody in the mid, mid higher up tier says, we hear you, we apologize, we're sorry, we're, we're going to try to do better, we're phasing it out. And, um, you know, Trader Joe's has like Pilgrim, New England clam chowder, right? They, they have it all. They have it all. It's, you know, it's not like they're uh, co-opting one group of, one diverse group in, in, in marketing to them to make, no, it's like whatever the product's origin is, we're going to market to it. They've got their Peruvian uh, corn, you know, whatever. They got it all. They, uh, they literally have it all. Well, they tried to make it right because there was this petition that's started by a, a teenager in high school somewhere and they, they tried to make it right. And then people were like, no, 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 no. We love Trader Joe's. We love that it's kitschy. We love that it's got cute branding. We love that they they introduce us to new ethnic foods that we might not normally have. No, 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 no. We love that. You know what I mean? And then Trader Joe's comes back and they go, all right, okay, we're going to keep it. We're going to keep it. So it's about not disenfranchising your core base. And again, with Bachelor, it's a little more complicated because the core base is like a large chunk of white people because obviously like that's, you know, something like 80% of their demographics, whatever the case may be. I don't have the exact stats, but the idea for the bachelor to move forward with more diversity, that doesn't hurt the 80% that, and that opens the door to new love stories, to new conversations, to new types of people. So when you talk about like demographics, when it comes to companies, whether it's TV or whether it's Trader Joe's, it can get a little dicey. You know, I worked for, um, I worked in advertising and my client was McDonald's and there were, and they have to decide where to place the advertising in the store. And they, 
I mean, they would pay more money in certain markets. Like in Boston, there's an Asian demographic there that there isn't in the suburbs and other parts of New England. So in the Boston market, they would spend more money on the um, on the Asian uh, uh, salad, whatever the uh, the Asian salad's called, and then in the the Latino market, they would put it to the Southwest salad. So like their their companies do it on the back end all the time. There's like very strategic marketing that goes into like what does what what do people like over here? What do people like in the in these di- in different areas? And, it, and it's a direct reflection of the demographics. But with it, like like I said. That doesn't mean you can't introduce new storylines uh, to um, and look for a new market within The Bachelor. And I think what companies are having to really consider is, do we live in a world where we want to please a very specific small group of dissenters, or do we want to keep our core base? And or and there are scenarios in which someone did something actually wrong. You know, take a take um. Uh, the Affleck guy, what's his name? Gilbert Godfrey, right? He was like one of the original people that was canceled. He was the, the Affleck guy, you know, Affleck. That was Gilbert Godfrey. He made a lot of money doing that, but he, he posted and he, people don't know this about Gilbert Godfrey. He's a real crude comedian. Very funny. Crushes. Very crude. And on Twitter, he made fun of the uh, tsunami like the next day. And people were like, no. So like when you're at the face of a company, you do need your social media to be squeaky clean. I mean, nobody wants that T-Mobile lady to be, uh, you know, picking sides in some sort of, you know, uh, you know, you know, no one wants her to be like anti-Black Lives Matter or something crazy like that. You know what I mean? Uh, so it, companies, they do have to consider like, are we, when we hire a spokesperson, are they, are they sending, uh, are they a reflection of our core values? The problem becomes when companies are too quick to fire somebody based off of a loud, uh, small group of people that disagree with them. Chris Harrison, that could be a case where Bachelor will have to decide if they get rid of him, because they're going to have to make a decision eventually. They kick the can down the road. How much is it going to hurt their core audience? How much will getting rid of him bring new people? And what's the benefit in, you know, the cost benefit analysis? That's what it's all about. But what I recommend for people like that are in my scenario is you want to have a job where you can't be fired that easily. Now, of course you want to, of course you want to not get fired in the first place. You want to take actions to not get fired, but you don't want to have a bad day at the office and lose your career. That's kind of what it comes down to. Yeah, not to say that happens in everyone's case, but that's what it comes down to. That's why I promote my newsletter. That's why comedians are always like on the road in different markets. They always say comedy is great because you got to get fired from every comedy club you perform at, you know? And then even if that happens, you can just show up at a VFW somewhere or whatever you want to do. But the idea that you know we live in a world where this is going to this is going to exist for a long time the ability f- for consumers to rally together and and uh, hold somebody accountable some cases for rightful reasons in some cases through misinformation or fear or even power and control a lot of people want to have control and power over others it's some weird kind of thing we get off online with like signing petitions and stuff anyway so i guess i guess i sound like i'm uh uh, anti-cancel culture. I just think, I think there needs to be some sort of like better uh, purveyor of uh, guilt than just the uh, internet mob. I don't think the internet mob does a good job of collectively 
deeming appropriate punishment for people, you know, because it becomes all or nothing. And I think it, it, it negates the reason we're all on this planet, which is for growth. Does that make sense? Do you guys understand what I'm saying? I think you guys get it anyway. So, uh, that's all I'll say about that. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Excuse me, lose my voice here. I got my coffee and my LaCroix. But, you know, like I said last episode, I've been contacted by um, some higher-up people that have wanted to work with me within different uh, parts of the franchise, whether it's Bachelor and some other entertainment news. And, you know, you have to wonder, like, if, if a company's willing to pay me X amount, that's, you know, and it's more than I make now, is it worth giving away that control? And I think the answer in most cases is no. We live in a world where we have the ability, and you see this all the time, you know, like the movie the movie Rocky, right? They wanted to buy that from Sylvester Stallone. And what is this, in the 70s or 80s, 80s? They wanted to buy that from him for like chump change. Actually, no, no, they were going to buy it from him for a decent amount, but he didn't want to sell the rights to it Instead, he wanted to star in it, and he took a big pay cut to star in Rocky because he was an unknown and he was a risk. They didn't want him. He's this little Italian guy, little Bob, hey, Adrian. They didn't want him. He, he bet on himself. He kept the intellectual property of the movie, and he's a quadrillionaire now. And there's so many cases where you see people that believe in themselves that don't give it away, and then they've got more power because they've got that equity, and I guess that's something we all have to push for. You know, there's just so many, there's just, so, it applies to so many different jobs. You know, so many, you know, the the core tenant, well, I always say, you know, my favorite line is, um, don't rent out your time, and it's just the idea that you either have a job where you're making someone else a lot of money, or you're investing in yourself. And, you know, for me, YouTube podcasting, it's been more so like equity I have in myself, Although the podcasting has never made money. It's always been a, <laughs> the podcasting has always been, I don't want to call it a chore because I love talking and I love you guys, but it's always been something that just cost me money. You know, I spend, I think 40 bucks a month on the different, um, 40 or $60 a month on the different uh, subscriptions I need, whether it's Libsyn and the um, the website and a, and a few other things. And it's like, yeah, it's a tax write-off, sure, whatever. But the Patreon, that's starting to make some money. The Patreon's up to, you know, a good chunk of money. And that's directly because of a small core group of you guys. They say, you know, your your thousand your thousand fans are the most important. Your first your 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 first loyal thousand, and I and I think that's that's what it comes down to is like finding finding an audience, no matter what it is you do, that's niche that believes in you. And I think what's important too, I've noticed growth the more I share my growth. So I think if anyone's out there doing your own thing, starting your own business, something about sharing the growth has made people like we have this innate desire to watch buildings be built. We like watching development. Uh, we like watching the tower, the, a, a built, a, you know, the freedom tower when that was being built, when I lived in New York, every week it'd go up a new, a new level. We love watching that. I love checking out my buddy's Patreons that are, that are growing because you know that every single donation is just a drop in the bucket and it all adds up. So anyway, I guess whatever advice I have, for anybody out there is, you know, you be careful when you decide to work for somebody else because you're, you're taking control away. Someone like Chris Harrison, you know, even though he's a producer, still has the ability to be fired. And, um, 
I think it, I think if he does get fired, it'll be a legal battle because he's got some money for a lawsuit. He's got a good attorney and Bachelor. The last thing the Bachelor producers want is an angry ex-host who knows how the sausage is made. Let me tell you that because Chris Harrison knows things that nobody wants to know outside of Bachelor Nation because it's ugly the way they treat contestants. It's ugly in the sense that they'll just churn through people's storylines, defame them, have them sign contracts. You know, you take Jed Wyatt. I don't want to get into him, but he, he, uh, I made a video about him and he was, um, uh, you know, accused of, uh, he, he got engaged on the TV show. And then afterwards, a story came out that he was, uh, uh, had a girlfriend back home. And the truth is probably somewhere where he was dating someone, but it wasn't official. You know, there's a gray area to it. Absolutely. I'm not completely defending him, but he was made to look like a monster and people were like, oh, F him. His music sucks anyway because he's a musician. Like, like, it, like the attacks got very personal. And people, you know, the truth is always more, a little more complicated in the sense that, yeah, he probably wasn't the most honest guy, but he probably wasn't the biggest dirtball either. And we hold, we hold like these, these people to these standards. He's like, he's a country musician. Yeah, he's probably like on the road, you know, hooking up with different people, doing his thing. He's probably not great. Falls in love on a reality TV show. When did the reality TV show becomes this, uh, this beacon of uh, more, this moral compass for us? It's just ridiculous. And like we sit behind the keyboards. I'm guilty of it too. And we judge people with this common denominator that's like perfection. And it all comes back to what I spoke about perfection in the beginning. It's like, nobody's perfect. We've all, like, if you want to look at everybody's dark side, everybody's, like, bad day, everybody's, in most cases, you know, you have a bad day at the office, you cry in your car on the way home, and you try again the next day. You know, in most cases, the internet doesn't find out about your bad day, and and you lose your, your livelihood over it. And uh, the question becomes, like, wh- how, when will we as a society reckon with, when will we reach the enlightenment to understand everyone's flawed, everyone's going to make mistakes, why, why fire everyone over it? Why not have some sort of, like, pathway to, you know, like in, 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 in the judicial system, a judge can, you know, they can sentence a guy to prison or they can, like, you know, sentence them to community service and growth and learning and, and, you know, the prison system's a whole nother issue, but the prison system's not supposed to be like a, like, like a slave land, but that's what it's become. There's no rehab from a prison system. You know, the facts are once you, once you, once you're in the system, chances are you're going to commit way more crimes after that. That's just how it works versus the rehab. So when we talk about the rehabbing of canceled people, I think, the reason we don't give them much sympathy is usually people that were canceled have, have wealth. And I think if someone that was canceled has more wealth than you do or me, you know, we start to look at them as like, you know what? F that guy. He's rich enough. He's fine. And I don't think that's a good judgment for growth being like, Oh, that guy's made enough money. F that guy. It's like, well, you know, you'll, you'll be that guy someday. And then you're not going to say F him either. So I think, I think there's gotta be, and I said this before that there needs to be a standard when like someone, when someone first has a problem, like their strike one, like would this have been Chris Harrison's strike one? You know, you can't fault him for the last 10 years of microaggressions that were never called out. You know, you want to, you're like, oh, you know, you want to call someone out for their past, but it doesn't, 
it's like you gotta you gotta treat it like a system where it's like, all right, strike one. All right, this is strike one. Uh, you're not necessarily gonna be kicked off the show, but a written apology, uh, in intent to do better, and evidence that you did better. And if strike two happens, well then, did you do better? You know, I don't know. Does this make sense? L- leave a comment. Let me know. Let me know what you guys think. I just think it would be cool to actually develop a standard for how uh, we as a society prosecute each other for for their wrongdoings. You know, we're going to live in a world very soon where politicians had Snapchat. Oh my gosh. Now look, obviously if you're like Matt Gates, he's accused of like just, you know, doing a bunch of coke and uh, and uh, hiring an underage prostitute. That's That's a strike one cancellation. You're done. If you're guilty of that, that's a you broke the law. Now you have to deal with the law. The law doesn't care about strike one, strike two when it comes to those well, like a felony, right? But we're talking about like moral, like well, you know, Chris Harrison basically back talking and dismissing Rachel Lindsay. That's exactly what it was. Is that a strike one? It's first of all, of course, it's legal, but it doesn't mean the company doesn't have the rights to fire him over that because they don't they don't have to operate by the law. They can operate morality clauses or whatever. But is that enough? to end the career, and just because you don't like him because you know he's an old straight white guy who's wealthy, does that mean it's enough? I And I personally just don't think so. And that's all I have to say about that. So I'll read a few um, Reddit questions. We'll have a little bit more fun, change the topics here. If you're watching on the Patreon, I'll pull up the tabs. Otherwise, I'll just read out these questions to you guys. I got um, I got five, I think five questions here. So let's go through First question, you know what, let me just have a sip. You know what I'm going to do here is I'm going to have a little, I don't have my music ready. So I need like, um, I need some just like a chill music. Let me, oh, that's not it. Here's some music while I just take a sip here. Help me segue to the next. I don't like to edit these things, but sometimes I'm just out of breath. Talking too much, folks. Do you consider it a red flag if a romantic interest isn't active on social media or doesn't have social media? When looking for a long-term partner, does it raise any red flags if the person you're interested in barely posts, has a very small following, or doesn't have social media at all? I think it is for sure a red flag in the sense that, you know, in today's society, we use social media as like like a, like a barometer of morality. Is it someone who just posts a bunch of self-absorbed photos? Are they going to be selfish? Or do they like, you know, have a good relationship with their mom and they post a nice appreciation post about their pet and their family or whatever. So it can certainly be a red flag if you aren't able to judge someone. But I would also go with your own intuition and I, I actually would, I would think it's good to ask someone like, hey, just out of curiosity, why don't you have social media? And someone might say, oh my gosh, my dad was canceled. He was the host of The Bachelor and I just decided, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be, someone might have a good reason. But also by covering their tracks on social media, there is a solid chance they might have a second family. I would say this, if you already are sketched out by someone and if they go away for extended amounts of time or, they're, or they seem to like not want to share details about what high school they went to or some weird things, they're either in the witness protection program or they have another family. And that could be, you may be the side piece and you might not even know it. That's my thought with that. So it is a, but then again, red flags don't necessarily mean uh, situation over. It's just a red flag. Like the red flags there, notice it. And if anything other, anything else suspicious comes up with why somebody doesn't do social media, 
you know, do they scrub it all clean? No Yelp. You know, some people like my, like Tasha, she doesn't, she doesn't like, uh, she thinks the internet's, you know, she, she like, she doesn't want to use the thumb, the thumb password on her phone, or now it's the, uh, the face scan. She won't use the face scan, which is so hilarious because she'll go out of her way to have to remember all of her passwords. Whereas I let my, I, I let all my apps scan my face and, you know, maybe they're selling that technology somewhere if they are maybe you know whatever shame on me but she, she literally will not use like technology that way so she's and again maybe maybe she's on the right side of it but um it's not a red flag that like I don't think you know she's got some sinister reason I just think she's on that kind of conspiracy end and I think a lot of people that don't like social media feel like you know it's because they're selling your information they're tracking you this and that um but um Consider the positive, the white flag here is that if they're not on social media, they're not going to be stuck in their phone on a date. That's a good thing. You know, look at the positive here. Okay. He's not, next question. He's not initiating texts as often. I've been on six dates with this guy and we're both in our late 20s. We've been seeing each other for about two months now, but in the last few weeks, I've noticed he hasn't been initiating texting as often as he did in the beginning. This makes me feel like he just wants to be casual, although he hasn't said anything to that effect. When we spend time together, it feels like quality time and he shares his inner thoughts freely with me. He has been initiating dates, and if I do text him first, he replies right away and asks questions to push the conversation along. Am I overthinking this? It's been a couple of days since we last spoke, and I know he was away for a work trip. I'm just nervous about putting in more effort than him. There was there were a couple of times I thought he was being cold and aloof on purpose, but it turned out he was dealing with a work or personal issue, and it didn't have anything to do with me. Well, listen. You have some good intuition there. It almost feels like you've answered your own question uh, about him not initiating texts as often is don't go nuts over it. The worst thing you can do in this scenario is call somebody out and then they're like, oh, this person's a little wild. It's kind of one of those like whoever shows they care first loses. <laughs> I hate to say it, but that's what it comes down to. Whoever shows they care more comes off as needy and it might push a skittish person away. Someone who's dated someone needy before and it's like, oh boy, not one of those again. And that might not be their intention at all. So, you know, six dates, it's kind of new. It's kind of fresh. You've got to look, you've got to sort of bite your tongue and see how it goes, but also it might be a good reminder for you to stay busy with your life so that he has to text you and be like, "Man, I can't believe it's been a week. How you doing?" You know, he, his threshold for busyness may be different than yours. So he might not be thinking about you when he's doing his other activities, not necessarily a bad thing. A lot of times like um like, you know, to use my relationship, a lot of times Tasha will be like, what, you you're, you're, you don't want to be with me. You're off doing other things. And I'll be like, honey, I'm doing other things because I'm trying to provide for us. I'm doing open mics and stand-up shows and this and that. I'm trying to build a life that provides for you. So I have to balance in my own head my desire to be out hustling and be a provider with Tasha's desire for quality time. So it sounds like you want a little bit more quality time in the sense that you want to know he's initiating and thinking of you. Six dates, you know, the fact that, you know, it's still early. It could just be a booty thing. It could just be, 
you know, that he's not in it for the long haul. It's too early to tell, but the only way to really push him away is to confront him about it. I would just, like I said, get busy doing some more of your own things. Don't do it to spite him. Do it to keep investing in who you are and he'll come around or he won't. But either way, you'll at least, you know, be on your own two feet. All right, we have a porn question here. I don't know how to quit porn, but I cannot live happily like this. In quarantine, I'm basically trapped in all the most common relapse feelings. Lonely, angry, tired, I'm doing bad. It's being worsened by my porn addiction. The shit I watch just to get off keeps getting more extreme. I've gotten into some gross shit. I've, uh, and I've begun to spend actual money on forced feminization stuff. I need to know how to get out of this hole. I don't like that the porn I need to get off keeps getting more extreme. I want to be grossed out by that, by that stuff like I should be. Also, I majorly want to get out of sissification. It feeds off of your low self-esteem while making your self-esteem lower. It's hard to climb out. Help. Well, I mean, this is a good first step. You went on Reddit and you asked for help. I think when it comes to like addiction, you have to treat every moment like like it's, you know, you have to live in the present. You know, they say with Alcohols Anonymous, one day at a time. You know, and you might want to go to a 12-step program. They have 12-step programs for porn addicts. Let's see if we can even Google one. Let's see. 12 steps porn addicts. I'm sure there's something out there. Um Porn Addicts, look at that, Porn Addicts Anonymous, P-A-A. So there you have it. Um, so there's plenty There's plenty of people that suffer from similar problems and the recovery process for, for different, um, the recovery process for different uh, scenarios, whether drugs, narcotics, alcohol, porn, it's not too different, you know. So I'm already, like, just looking, there's so many, there's so many, uh, things that you can find online to help you out. Uh, sexual addiction is an intimacy disorder at its core. Recovery must take place in community. Pride, arrogance, and isolation are the top enemies of recovery. Recovery takes work, but it's doable. All right, well, there you go. Arrogance and isolation. I mean, obviously, isolation is a huge trigger for a lot of addicts, and, and this year has really uh, showed people, like, you know, that they get out of their cycle, um, you know, that... Um, that they fall in, they they fall on the crutches of addiction. So, I'm not here as to tell you what to do. But when people wonder if they're addicted to something, and usually it's when it gets in the way of other things, and it seems like it's getting in the way of how you want. Um, you know, you feel like you've just gone too far because it takes more and more extreme porn to to get to get your uh, gears going. So, yeah, it's not the, the answer is the answer is not necessarily online. Like you might want to go to an actual 12-step program in person. Google it. There's going to be one in your town. There's one somewhere. Go to, an, go to you know, even if it's not just for porn addicts, but just addicts in general, and realize you're not alone. Everyone's fighting their demons. But of course, the triggers are going to have to go. You know, the triggers being maybe too much time at home, too much alone time, too much internet. You know, can you set your internet passwords? And, you know, if you think, oh, no, 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 porn's okay. It's just the bad stuff. No, no, no. It sounds like it's like, uh, no, no, beer's okay. It's just the, the, I can't handle the opioids. It's like at some point, you know, you're going to have to realize to set a hard line on what porn is, define it, and realize, you know, you don't have that control. Good luck. All right, two more, two more here. Here's a fun one. 
Women are always trying to get money out of their guy, right? My boyfriend pays me a subscription fee. From a discussion about OnlyFans, my boyfriend said that he would sub to me if I had it. We were having a joke about it, about over text, and I said that he could become a tier three subscriber for $80 a month. He has been paying me $80 a month for a while now for sexting and more intimate experiences. Does this make me a prostitute? Well, no, I don't think so because he's still your boyfriend. It's like I pay for... I pay for Tasha's um, Google cloud because she doesn't know how to delete a photo. So she just had to buy the upgraded cloud and it's just, I, I pay for it, but I wouldn't call her a prostitute. <laughs> Look, it's, I guess, I guess if you want to like go over semantics, are you paying for sale well, in some ways? Maybe, maybe in some ways, but uh, I don't think you have to frame it that way. I think it's fun. But if you were, if you were relying on him giving you that money, like if I were you, I would take some of that money and take him out to dinner, you know? Uh, but isn't that what it all comes down to? Like if a guy pays for dinner and then they have sex after, it's like, well, look, that doesn't make you a prostitute, but it is a little bit more complicated. Like, you know, not to say you didn't want to have the sex, but there is a transaction that happens. Uh, so it's very funny, very interesting. Um, uh, oh, look, someone in the comments said, nothing wrong with it, but if I were you, I'd save the money and take him somewhere special. When he tries to pay, say, no, you already did. Then pay, take him home and slut fuck him if that's his thing. <laughs> wow, that's funny. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, there you go. Whatever uh, floats your boat there. All right, here's one. This one looks kind of serious here. I'm going to need a sip of coffee first. Here's our last letter here. All right, last My voice is going. I've already made three videos today. Very busy Tuesday here. Last uh, question here. How do I accept that my girlfriend settled for me? I overheard her talking to her friends last night, asking each other who the settler was in each other's relationships. She said she was settling for me and that she'd been with much more physically attractive men. My heart sank when she said that. We've been together for almost two years now and it's pretty much destroyed me. How do you cope with the fact that your girlfriend slept with much more attractive men in the past? I looked at some other Reddit posts and people say things like, she chose you in the end, so you came out on top and all those other guys, you know, all... Uh, you came out on top of all of those guys in her past, but I'm sure she would have rather have been with those more attractive guys if the guy had been willing to be in a proper relationship. So that's not consoling at all. Edit. I asked her about it this morning before work and she brushed it off saying she was joking. I told her it really hurt and she apologized, but it felt shallow. I just packed all my shit up. I'm out. You guys are right. How did I get to this point where I need to ponder coping mechanisms for being disrespected? I'm hitting my bro's house right now. Going to stay with him while I think about shit. Thanks, my guys. Do we understand this person's age? I don't think we got this person's age. But um, very, you know, this is, this is kind of what's funny. Sometimes you need like a stranger on Reddit to give you an answer to something you already know. And that's what I love about these questions. Like, like you know... By the time I got to the end of his statement, one day later, he's packing up. He's like, no, it's done. But look, here's the truth. Law of attraction. She didn't settle for you. There, She, you know, you might be able to, she might be able to bag a guy who's better looking or this or that. But in the end, energy wise, it's all kind of like equal, you know, at the moment, you guys were on the same energy net level. Now, maybe you're going to move on and find someone better because you've understood that, her, her saying that you, that she settled for you actually left her in a lower place, you know? Now, if she were really kidding, she's going to fight to win you back. That'll be the question. 
If she's really kidding, she'll fight to win you back. But if she really feels that way, she'll probably just let you go. Pretty, and someone in the comments says, pretty harsh thing to say. Sounds like she's not really into you if she has to settle. Dude, not sure how anyone could hear something said about them like that and still want to be with them. Frankly, it might be time to move on. Yeah. Well, good for you. Good for you to know to move on. And, you know, you can use that too. You can use that energy as, as horrible as that is. You know, if I were you, as horrible as that is, I would not forget what she said, what you overheard. And I would use that at the gym. I would use that as you pursue your own passions. I would use that as a just gentle motivation to say, I am enough, I have enough, and I want to share it. I am a good enough person. I am. I provide great value. I love myself. You know, all those things. And there's a chance that, you know, maybe you don't feel that way just yet or right now, but you got to get, and this is for everyone listening, you got to treat your body like a stock. You want that stock to be worth as much as it can be possible because then you're then it's going it, to, this is the worst analogy, but then the, the, the more you can boost how much that stock is worth, the more money you're going to make off of it, right? You want to you pump it. You don't want to dump it. You want to pump it. No dumping. Pumping, no dumping. So if you're a guy who's maybe eats too much chocolate or you should run more or you wish you did yoga, but you're kind of lazy and you play video games. Look, I'm not saying any of these things inherently are bad. I eat chocolate and video games are cool. But my point is, if there's a better version of you within your soul, now is the time to show the world. Now is the time to work on yourself and be better. And chances are, you will meet somebody who appreciates you for all that you are. Because the truth is, whether she says she was kidding or not, she did settle for you. She settled into a relationship that she says she doesn't want to be a part of or, or, you know, or there could have been better. And that's something that you need to look in, in you know, internally and say that you need to present yourself at the highest standard and highest level you can. You know, I've had to deal with things like this where, People all the time, I'll post a photo with Tasha, and of course, come on, she's gorgeous, of course, and people will be like, oh, yeah, how'd you settle, how'd you land her, she's better, this, that. it's like, look, I get it, you know, I get it, sure, she's, clearly, she makes a living by being beautiful, amongst other things, so clearly, she's got more of a traditional level of attraction than I do, but I've, I've come to terms with who I am, I'm not a bad-looking guy, I can tell some jokes, I can have some fun, I can, I can, I can, I can chat up anybody, uh, at a party. Those are skills. So maybe this lady, uh, was, maybe there was a very specific conversation where your girlfriend was talking about like looks in the sense that like, you know, look, look, we've all been like, I'm sure my fiance has been with guys that are better looking than me or whatever, but I don't think she would, I don't think she sees beauty as just a binary, like, are you physically attractive or you're not? Like, I think she sees beauty in my intelligence and humor, along with other things, compassion, empathy. So it's not, it's not as simple as like, oh, she's been with better looking guys in the past. No, I mean, like, find somebody who values you for who you are, but at the same time, work hard on yourself. You know, there's this kind of thought like, you know, you know of course I want to preach self-love, you know, except for the guy who's watching porn all day. No self-love for you. Stop loving yourself. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But you want to preach self-love, but you also want to, uh, you you know, I, I've, I've talked about this before, how how um, saying someone has potential 
can be a bad thing because potential energy is energy you're not using. So if someone has potential, it means they could be worth more in whatever it is they're doing. You know, you know, like if someone says, oh, Dave, you're funny. You got a lot of potential. To me, that means I'm not, it's not translating just yet. Keep working hard. Potential energy needs to translate. You need to use that. So for you, uh, fine sir, listening out there, whatever potential you have, turn that into something. Whatever that might be. You might think it's weird. You might be a glass blower, and you're like, women aren't going to ever want to date a glass blower. Listen, you become the best glass blower. You're going to have a lot of ladies who want their glass blown by you, okay? There's going to be a lot of people out there that want their glass blown. Whatever it is that you do, whatever passions you have, you pursue that hard. Men, women, whatever sexual uh, gender you identify with, pursue your passions hard. There is nothing sexier than somebody who has passion. So anyway, that's this episode of The Sap. Everyone have a good day. If you need to message me, go to my Instagram, at dneals, send me a message over there, and check out the vlog channel. I got a, a vlog channel. I'm doing weekly vlogs, Tasha and I, showing off the new place. I appreciate all of you guys so, so much. Thanks for checking out the Patreon, and thanks to all my loyal listeners for hanging out with me through the quarantine. So much appreciation for all of you. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.